Listeners and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate, and sometimes it is really, really sad uh, as we uh, do a thorough uh, examination on grief and the unbearable pain of losing your child, and we have a fun time talking about that. Um, so I'm your host Simon. Today, joining me, we have Eric. Hello. You. We have M. Hello. And we have Jimmy Dean. Hello. Um, okay, so I mentioned a little bit last week that uh, there was like kind of a gauntlet of bad episodes to begin with, and uh, like we're through that now. This is what I would say is a really, really good episode of this show. Uh, it's also <laughs> a little hard to talk about because I've watched it twice in the last couple of weeks, including today, and both times I've just started crying at some point. So we'll try to get through it. Uh, it's just really sad. It's well made, but it's so sad. Um, so uh, we start off on yet another unnamed planet that has uh, the distinction of uh, looking. This is the craft uh, dinner planet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for uh, fulfilling your promise you made last episode to make a craft dinner joke. I've been um, waiting. You've, you've really held it in long, huh? Uh, so, yeah, I guess it, it has a kind of a Kraft Dinner Powder-esque quality to it with the with a bunch of blue crystals on it. Um, so a little behind the scenes... Uh, the Vespine gas vents are just on the other side of the dune. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the, so these, these, uh, yellow dunes are actually a sulfur pit in Vancouver that they filmed in. So, uh, that's why this looks, uh, very different from the usual planets we get on this show, but it was actually shot on loca- location in Vancouver. Just, uh, not the same location that, uh, they usually use, which is in the forest. Uh, a whole second location. So, yeah. Sure Imagine it- a second. A second place in this city. I'm that sure they found. it smelled great to record there. Oh, it must have been so good. Sulfur smells like rotten eggs, if you don't know. And now you know. Um, <laughs> good thing that we don't have too many scenes set on this planet in this episode. Um, but uh, so, yeah, aside from all that uh, blinding yellow sand, we have a nice contrast because we have some bright blue crystals. Uh, lying all over the place. Uh, and you made a joke about Vespine gas because, yes, it does uh, remind one of uh, the StarCraft minerals that are laying around all all over the place. It sure does. In that. Uh, yeah. Uh, this does predate StarCraft, though. So, if anything, StarCraft clearly ripped off this episode of Stargate. Uh, no, not really. Crystals are just a, a useful sci-fi concept, I guess. Star- StarCraft ripped <laughs> off a lot from a lot of different places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly Warhammer 40k and Starship Troopers and aliens. Um, 
anyway, so uh, they're on a like a, a deserted no pun intended, planet with nothing but crystals and are just looking around. Um, Daniel is trying to make himself useful because uh, not much in terms of human culture to examine in this episode. He, it's just crystals. He he ventures a guess that this might be some kind of holy site because uh, people must have venerated these crystals or something. Uh, but that's a complete guess. He yeah, is literally that joke about archaeologists. <laughs> Anything really he doesn't know, ceremonial purposes. Uh huh. This is probably yeah. This is probably religious or something. Even though like he's way off the mark in this case, because uh, we're going to learn later that these crystals are in fact the people of this planet, and they're almost all completely dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so they they look around a bit. O'Neill finds a big honking one that looks uh, in pretty good shape. He approaches it, we get a, like a creepy first-person look from inside that crystal, looking back at O'Neill with like a weird uh, music video distortion thing that makes him look all weird. Um, he kind of like just reaches out to touch it, I guess, because he's curious, and gets blasted back into the sand and knocked out. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we don't see right away... That, yeah, okay, so it's, it's just basically built up to that. Uh, everyone else is just kind of looking around and doesn't see him doing that. And then as he's laying there unconscious, we, we see a second Jack O'Neill standing on top of him and looking at him quizzically. Um, I think uh, at this point, like, uh, it was uh, Casey Cosmos on the Discord made a joke about Among Us... Uh, that she later like rescinded considering the contents of the rest of the episode, but I think it's pretty appropriate because there you go, you have there you have it. Uh, we have an alien shapeshifter, uh, uh, the doppelganger story basically that uh, took O'Neill's shape and then uh, just walked back to Earth with the rest of SG One because he he just walked away from there. Uh, we're going to learn later. Uh, there's a lot of context behind what's happening here that we don't know about yet. Uh, basically, yeah, that's just a cold open. Uh, O'Neill has been replaced by some kind of alien. You, you, uh, you, and we're back on Earth. You'd think with how many quips and like his jovial nature, if something was off mm -hmm. about him, you would immediately investigate. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you would think that, right? Like, my, my solution would be I would tee up a joke for him, and if he didn't take it, that would be my indicator. <laughs> Uh, I, I, the, the the main thing is that no one's looking for anything, and everyone must assume he's been he's having an off day. But it, it is kind of weird how the first couple of scenes of this episode is a bunch of people like trying to talk to him and him not reacting the way he usually does, and they kind of just play it off. When the only aliens you know about are mind control parasites, <laughs> you'd think that would yeah. be a thing. It's you, not like you they might had wonder. to deal with this just a few episodes ago. Right, the actual Among Us, uh, which was, uh, yeah, the uh, Kowalski in the base. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, no, in this case, it's just uh, him getting uh, really quiet and uh, observant. And just, like, in the debriefing room, he's standing in the corner of the room instead of sitting at the table and has a completely blank look on his face. They should, like, it, it, it is really kind of weird that no one looks at him and goes, hey, are you okay? Is everything fine with you right now? I'm um, I'm going to propose that the Stargate initiative, that uh, the SG whatever, they should have like a staff mm -hmm. member whenever the team comes back, and they just quiz them mm -hmm. on some random question. Like, hey, O'Neill, uh -huh. what are your thoughts on pulled pork? 
And like, if he was like, cold pork is fine. Like, okay, so he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> they call it the Stargate Initiative, but they sure don't take initiative often. Nah, it's Stargate Command. It's, it's yeah, but you're right. Uh, this is a very, really loose. Uh, I guess as a, as a colonel, he's high-ranking enough that no one really questions him, except the general everyone every once uh, and again. I mean, uh, he's uh, from but, Chicago. Just put a deep dish pizza and a thin crust pizza <laughs> next to each other and see which one he goes for. Uh-huh. Apparently, that's not a detail that Teal'c uh, retained about Chicago, as we are going to learn later, though. No mention of deep dish pizza in this episode. Unfortunately, would have been pretty good. I don't want to see Teal'c uh, eat deep dish pizza. It's not deep dish, but Teal'c does become known for being a fan of pizza down the line. So, yeah. Um, but by the way, Tilik is just—he continues to remind me of Martian Manhunter. Like every episode, I'm anticipating <laughs> him just suddenly getting into Oreos. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it, yeah. Now that you mention it, that's that's pretty similar. Like, like ironically, the one who does not shape shapeshift in this episode. But um, yeah, that's a that's a good point of comparison. You have the stoic alien who's not like who's very fish out of water on Earth. And also is very interested in learning Earth culture and kind of like hooks onto the last details you would expect from Earth culture in the process. Um, we get a little bit of that in this episode. It's just kind of a taste of it. Uh, we, we do get the first cool hat in this one, though. So I'm excited about that. Uh, the debriefing has basically nothing worth saying in it. They, they show Hammond pictures of the crystals and say, like, I don't know, religion maybe? They, they were all blown up mostly, so I don't know what happened there. Uh, and Hammond is not overly impressed or whatever. He's like, okay, great, fine. Sounds like nothing happened there. So everyone, you get some time off now. Um, I guess it was like the, their their last day before uh, they got rotated to a little, uh, I guess, shore leave, even though they're in the home base on, in America. I don't know what you call it, but um, Basically, so uh, it's the, the weekend. For- we've, we've already had a virus episode. We can absolutely confirm there are no quarantine procedures out here. No, I mean there, there's no there's no known crisis right now, so they're not worried about anything. Even though it turns out maybe they should be, uh, it's just that this amazing doppelganger of Jack O'Neill has completely fooled them so far through uh, the fact that no one has asked him about anything at all they, since they got back. They don't even institute a wait period. They come through the gate and he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> yep, this is just like ah, it's the weekend now. Uh, it's Friday, everyone. So let's just go home. Uh, and they're gonna let him out of the base and apparently take a plane to Chicago because uh, I looked it up. That's a fifteen-hour drive from Cheyenne Mountain to Chicago. And if O'Neill lives there, that means he must take a plane back and forth pretty quite quite often. I must assume uh, like an Air Force plane uh, that the 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 forces. Uh, let him use uh, as, uh, as an officer. Someone noted in our Twitter message, but yeah, a, a pilot will happily <laughs> fly someone of his rank. Uh, it'll get them more hours. They always need more hours. Yeah. Oh, that, there you go. That, that, that does make sense. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a mystery explained for, uh, in this episode. Um, 
like for, for we are, we always talk about how uh, time uh, travel times don't make sense in this show because like they're on the planet and they walk for a little bit and they're always wherever they need to be and no one cares how big the planet is. In this case, it's just like we're wondering because it's literally about real life distances on Earth because they sure seem to fly around the U.S. pretty fast. Uh, but I guess yeah, they they do they do just have planes and we, we just got a couple hours of flight out of the runtime of the episode for. Uh, convenience's sake. Or they built anyway, Earth so, gates. Yeah. <laughs> if they had the technology. That's the thing that, that, that I come back to. They have a Stargate that they can use to go many, many, many times the speed of light over to different planets, but on Earth, they're still stuck with our modern-day uh, current level of technology in, in terms of transportation technology. Don't have anything faster than planes, basically. It was um, before the TSA, though, so that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's a mili- he's not going through a civilian uh, airport. Yeah, he's just going into a plane on base. He doesn't have to go through security or anything. He's well, he. I, I bet after nine eleven, even an Air Force colonel that has to fly somewhere would have like go put his bag through an X ray or whatever, right? Yes, um, if they're flying commercial, which is no, pretty I mean often. Uh, like if if they're fly- flying militarily, I don't know. Oh um, no, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Awesome. Thank you, U.S. Air Force uh, and the TSA and their lack of jurisdiction uh, when it comes to non-civilian flights. Um, so uh, we're not there yet, though, because uh, Crystal O'Neill, Crystal O'Neill, I don't know if that's going to stick. I'm, I'm just trying it out, I guess. Uh, he's in the locker room. Uh, looking into O'Neill's locker and putting his nice leather jacket on, and he spots a little cigar box at the bottom of the, the locker, and he takes it out, opens it, and uh, it has a bunch of mementos in there. So he has what's clearly a wedding band, some a bunch of family photos, uh, a picture of his kid when he was like a, just a little baby in the bath with his butt showing, a um, picture of him as a younger uh Presumably, uh, when he got deployed to the Gulf War or something, because it's uh, a photo of uh, O'Neill in full, uh, you not not a re- like not ceremony uniform, but uh, deployment uniform, I guess, where he is looking uh, like he's at war or whatever. Uh, there's a photo of him with his son Charlie, where the kid is holding a, a a trophy, and they're wearing caps, and he has a baseball glove on, so he was like, in, uh, you know, you get that the kid played baseball, like. Uh, in some kind of minor league or uh, whatever you call it, when where where the kids play baseball, little league, uh, little league, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as as he's looking at that, uh, Carter enters the room and says, "All right, uh, by the way, this is about to become the women's locker room, so you should leave now." Uh, which why is why is there not already a women's locker room? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I, I have to wonder where to draw the line between this is a weird contrivance for this show that this uh, this U.S. military base with billions of dollars in budget doesn't have a separate room for women to change in, and the idea that uh, women in the military was still such a new concept back then. Uh, as I think Zach pointed out a couple episodes ago, that they just like didn't think that they would need one, and so to accommodate Carter, they just have basically rotating schedules of the locker room where she and any other women on the base get to use it when it at different times from when the men if, use it. If they built the whole um, second base <laughs> under an existing base and they couldn't add another locker room, right. 
if yeah if they wanted to they could create gendered uh locker rooms they have those dorm rooms uh-huh. that they locked the crew up when they became cavemen <laughs> Right, yeah, uh, they do have security cells near near the infirmary. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure this is not the physical space that's lacking on the base. It's just weird that this is the way they're organized. Uh, I'm also fairly sure that pretty early in the series we're going to see that it's changed to uh, actual uh, gender segregated locker rooms because it's pretty silly that they just come up with this detail in here to have an excuse for Carter to be in the same locker room as O'Neill while he's looking at this stuff, basically. Um, On the other hand, we can be assured that Carter is not a turf. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, (laughs) Since she doesn't uh, seem to mind. Break the news to that Showtime exec that they were not going Mm -hmm. to have a Starship Trooper scene. Uh Yeah, that's the other thing. We're we're not going to get any boobies on this show. Uh, So that's not it's, it's not a factor or anything. Um, she gets a little like annoyed at, at uh, this fake O'Neill that he's not even reacting a little bit to what she's saying. Uh, she gets a little testy and is like, uh, yeah, you don't have to hurry on my account. And then she notices that he's uh, lost in thought staring at these things. And she she yeah, kind of starts making small talk with him like, hey, that's a picture of your kid. Yeah, she goes, yes, very... Uh, unemotionally and she, she says yeah i'm an aunt myself that's that's great and um <laughs> she she she, she kind of uh, tries to be friendly with him and he just says goodbye and leaves um very <laughs> awkward moment uh speaking of awkward the next thing that happens is daniel just walks right in there despite what carter just said because <laughs> apparently he's not he hasn't looked at the schedule or anything uh <laughs> I don't. We don't really see her like react angrily to him walking in or anything. It's like she's just forgotten it herself. Uh, very strange setup to a scene. Uh, they they just basically chat a little bit about how uh, quote unquote O'Neill was looking at uh, old family pictures and laughed and looked a little weird and he must have like he must just be homesick. She thinks. Uh, and Daniel and can says, just drop like such uh, someone else's incredible personal business on her. Yeah, well, I mean, t- yeah, okay. <laughs> so, like, she says, I-, I didn't even know he was married. And she- he says, um, well, he's not because uh, they got divorced after the first mission we were on together. Um, and like, I think he tells her at this point also that uh, that the kid died yeah okay uh he he tells her straight up uh this they separated after their son died uh which you know uh i'm of two minds about this first of all you're right that it's incredibly personal privileged information that he has on a good friend that maybe it's not his place to spread to his other friends um but you know uh saying this to her to avoid any further faux pas in the later conversations might might also be a concern. Uh, Yeah, I mean, she clearly didn't pick up, you know, that (laughs) she's going to come in with a baseball like, hey, I got this for your kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you wouldn't want that. So kind of get the reasoning why he would tell her this. Um, I swear she she mouths an F-bomb. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she might uh that's that's uh, a hell of a yeah she she's pretty dumbstruck but by, by what he says because he just leaves and <laughs> leaves the the locker room to her after he says that and she doesn't say anything um so yeah th- that's it for the exposition part 
so that we re- we all remember that Charlie died. So uh, it's going to be important for this episode. Um, as the fake O'Neill is uh, walking out to leave the base, he gets intercepted by Teal quacking out of a side corridor and basically uh, scratching at the door and asking really nicely to be let out for walkies. Uh, he, since they have some time off, he's like, hey, you said that you were going to show me Earth, right? Uh, we have time now. Please take me out of this base. I beg you. I've been stuck in here for a month. I'm so bored. Please let me out and show me your planet. Uh, and Crystal O'Neill, of course, being the fake O'Neill, uh, doesn't commit, doesn't accept. He basically just blows him off and says, ah, not, not today, another time, and walks off rudely uh, which, you know, Tilk does see, Tilk is disappointed by, but being Tilk, he doesn't like show it too much, or he, he doesn't really know human costumes, so maybe he's like being, uh, generous and, and assuming he, he might have made a faux pas of some kind, I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, then Daniel and Carter are walking around and also like, having their own little uh, discussion about Odile's personal life. Uh, yeah, and then Carter seems a little bit, not not annoyed, not annoyed or insulted, but uh, she's like, ah, I didn't even know that. We've been like on all these adventures together, and he never opened up to me and told me this. And Daniel says, yeah, he's a pretty closed-off mo- guy. He, he wouldn't want to volunteer this information unless he really trusts you, which, oops, because, uh, yeah, he did that to you, Daniel, and <laughs> now you're just spreading this, I guess. Um, anyway, this is all uh, small talk that they have on their way to what Daniel and Carter are going to do on their apparent weekend, which is to stay on the base and study these crystals, because they're so damn exciting. Um, you're going to turn down crystals? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hell of a weekend. Um yeah, no. Uh, on an army base? I, uh, I say that as if there's not drugs on army bases. There, there's gotta be. Um, uh, I just, I just want to point out that they, they, they walk into a, a, a lab where a big chunk of the crystal is, and there's a lady scientist there, and I recognized her because she's on, like, the recent Flash series as a like the police commissioner on the latest season, which is where I stopped watching because it's boring as hell. Uh, I'm, I'm very <laughs> surprised this. you got to the current season. I did, and like, I, I, nah, yeah, I couldn't make it much farther into the season. I, I made it all the way to, I don't know, last February or March or something, and I was like, you know what? I don't have to keep watching this show if I hate it, actually, so I, I, I kind of stopped. Yeah, I, uh, Flash is... I got to Savator, Sorry. I think, and after the, the third speedster <laughs> villain, I went, ah, I'm good. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Savitar. Yeah, that's that's season three, I think. Uh, they're up to, like, season eight of that show, and, oh, God. Yeah, the season one of The Flash was an excellent season of TV, and then it just went to shit after that. They, they ran out of stories to tell. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a waste. It's such a shame, because it could have been much better than it is. Um, but it's not, and this is Stargate. This is not The Flash even though both shows are shot in Vancouver, explaining the number of actors who they, that they share. Um, so they look at, yeah, they look at the crystals and continue their little small, small talk because Carter directly asks him, hey, so how did that kid die anyway? Um, and he says, yeah, so he shot himself accidentally with uh, Jack's gun. So that's a real touchy subject. 
uh, please be careful about this topic around uh, around Jack. It's not going to be great if you bring it up out of nowhere. Um, and if Jack and then, tells you, make sure you act surprised. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't hear it from me. Um, so, hey, crystals, because they, they're looking at the crystal through a nice magnifying glass. Uh, the, they look at the, the, like the angle of the, the cut on this thing. And ju- just by the way it's, it's cut or the, the, the edge of this thing or the grain of the crystal, she says, oh, this looks kind of familiar, weirdly. It looks like a kind of blown up I've seen before. Okay. <laughs> uh it's a, it's it's real weird but uh that that's as far as we get with this for now um we cut over to chicago uh which like yeah this is the part where crystal o'neill uh presumably took a flight uh got on a plane without speaking to anyone or barely anyone uh beyond telling them where he was going uh made it all the way to sarah's house which was uh o'neill's former house where they lived as a family because he has the photo of it that he got from the cigar box, and it's still that same house. Um, and he, like, he does, uh, basically, it's a Terminator 2 reference. Is it one or two? Anyway, uh, it's it's straight up uh, the scene where the bad Terminator, uh, I think it's two, because it's Robert Patrick, uh, like, r- repeats, tr- tries to sound human and natural by repeating the, the a line he's going to say to someone to uh, try to pass off as human. Um He's, he goes, hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. He tries a couple tones to try to find a natural one. Uh, doesn't really get it because uh, he's not going to be very convincing, but uh, he's, he's going to be upsetting her enough that it's not going to matter much how convincing he is. Um, so Sarah uh, O'Neill, uh, his ex-wife is right there. Uh, she's, uh, she's in the hood of this car working on it, I guess, uh, trying to fix it. And her dad is right there, and uh, he's kind of talking to her. And he walks into the house as O'Neill, sh- uh, as fake O'Neill, shows up uh, to talk to her. And <laughs> she's very surprised. I mean, she she's very startled by him being there, but not overly so because you know it is her he- her ex husband. Uh, even though he didn't call ahead or anything, uh, he he might want to come over and talk to her for any reason. I guess. Oh, uh, also, um, like their marriage didn't fall apart because like. He was cheating on her. Like, they drifted apart emotionally. No. Yeah. And, like, he left without... So, like, we get a little more context in this episode of their rupture, which is, you know, he left for the Stargate mission, and by the time he came back, they were divorced. Uh, it really sounds from this episode like the army and him, and, like, nobody told her what he left for. He basically just walked out the door and uh, left it swinging behind him. And that's when she, like, basically gave up on him. And she, like, but the way they talk about it is, uh, in their dialogue, they seem to say that he left her, which I guess is their way of interpreting him leaving for the Stargate mission. It, it was like a, a kind of a, a weird emotional escape from his wife in the, at the same time. It's a real sticky, messy situation, basically. Well, I mean, uh, my conjecture was correct. Mm-hmm. He said he was yeah. going to get a gallon of milk uh-huh. and then went to uh, Abydos. Yeah, exactly. Um, like he never intended to come back. He intended to blow himself up. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the thing. So he didn't want to tell her that either. That he was gonna die over there, and that was the last time they saw each other. I guess he didn't want any tearful farewells or anything because he was just too depressed. Um, 
the other thing that we're gonna learn from her dad in a couple of scenes is that she's still pretty much at least somewhat has feelings for him so like him being there it's it's like she she she's like not completely unhappy to see him because part of her is like kind of hoping that he wants to get back together i guess uh that he's like healed emotionally enough to to move forward um but yeah he he yeah, she she's working at the car and she tries to like be casual about it, because uh, because he walks up to her and asks, "Is something wrong?" Because she looks clearly upset, and she tries to play it off like he's asking about the car, and she says, "Oh yeah, the ignition's busted," um, but like yeah, uh, the the fake O'Neill you see a first person view with that blue crystal filter where he stares at a, a children's bicycle and a like plastic basketball hoop that's in the driveway and he looks at it and like Sarah says uh you didn't you didn't come here to talk about the car did you and he says uh I need Charlie that's his bicycle right there isn't it and like you see right away her face just completely fall off and she's like oh no uh that's that's fucked up okay yeah I kind of get it but also wow um that's that's a difficult thing. You just came up to me and talk, and and said, um, and she says, "Yeah, I still have a bunch of his stuff." Uh, and he says, "Yeah, I know." And she she's like uh, getting pretty upset at this point. Um, and then like Crystal O'Neill, goddamn it, starts calling for Charlie because clearly he thinks that Charlie is physically there in the house right now, uh, and she gets extremely upset at this. Uh, as you would, um, she 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 basically yells at him. Uh, says he's he's sick to do this and runs into the house. Uh, clearly about to cry, and her dad comes out and, and basically uh, chastises him because uh, he thinks he thinks uh, Jack is coming to try and seduce her back, and that he just like pulled the wrong the the worst possible move uh, <laughs> to do that. Um, it is not a solid opening. Yeah. No, it's not great. Reminding you of your of our dead son, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, so Crystal only. I, 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 yeah. Um, he like he he gives an uh 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 fuck. He he gives like a, a neutral answer that comes off as sarcastic, but without the sarcastic tone. Because like uh, the the just. The father-in-law say, uh, "Anyone ever tell you that like you, that's not how you win a woman's heart?" And he says, "I think you just did." And like he, he, he kind of thinks, uh, "That's just Jack being Jack, I guess." Uh, come in, because uh, like the, he's the one who reads the situation and goes, "Well, he probably came because he needs to live a little bit of grief about his son. It's probably best to just let this happen now." Um, uh yeah, so we cut back on the base where Tilk is now uh, alone in his room with no weekend plans, uh, other than to turn on the TV. And <laughs> I don't know what uh, you know. It's it, it's a little bit like in the Fifth Element where uh, Lilu like is looking at stuff on the internet. And she just gets a montage of scary Correct. war scenes, uh, but. Yeah, uh, Teal turns on the TV and he gets like uh, news about a riot somewhere, a music video that is I don't know metal or something with someone swinging an amp around on a wire and like with like negative colors. Uh, some more news about like a war or something. It's it's very vague, uh, generic, bad, stressful news on TV. 
Uh, so yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, when the, when it's a, the music video, he kind of like puts his fingers on his temple because he clearly thinks that all this noise is no good. Why this? Well, he doesn't understand. Um, he, he eventually shuts off the TV, and uh, Carter and Daniel run in out of breath because apparently they just came in sprinting from the other side of the base because because they're just so damn excited about. Uh, their crystal discovery. Uh, <laughs> this is such the a weird thing- divide with, with, between the two plots. Yeah, it's like you have uh, <laughs> you have Carter and Daniel leading the comic relief, and just neither yep. of them do that normally. No, it's it's really weird. Um, yeah, it's it, the, the the tone is completely different. It's it's gonna like they're gonna join each other eventually, and the rest of the SG team will kind of like pulled back and let O'Neill hold the emotional weight of the show. Um, but uh, yeah, for now, it's just them, like, uh, the the rest of SG-1's fun weekend on base uh, with the two nerds that won't stop working on the weekend and Tilk, who just doesn't have anything to do. Uh, <laughs> but the first thing that happens is Tilk turns to Daniel and says, Your world is a strange place. So's yours. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um... But uh, yeah, so they 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 ask Tilk they 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 just need his staff weapon and they can't check it out of the armory without Tilk being there because it belongs to him. So they need him to come with them to check it out. Uh, and Tilk thinks they're about to go on a mission, but no, that's not what it is. They just need it for science. Uh, so he goes with them. Um, Honestly, so, if this uh, wasn't attached to such a sad a plot, this would be a ne- uh-huh. this would be a neat series of things. You're just having just having them yeah. go totally MythBusters on some random alien shit. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it would be fun. Like, an, an episode of just that, like the the the, the geeky SGC weekend, and like well, there's some episodes that are kind of like that in later seasons where it's you know uh, Coombs and uh, Doctor I forgot his name the the the, sci- the scientist guy who's gonna come in later who just like they they basically live live on base and um and have fun science uh, science adventures and like much um, much later that's like a good third chunk of Atlantis episodes yep yep oh yeah that's uh, <laughs> Rodney and Zelenka and science boys um but yeah, no, this isn't this one because we cut back to a, a very sad scene where uh, Crystal O'Neill is now standing in Charlie's old room that is still has been kept intact, uh, still has all his toys there, his uh, baseball certificate, the, his pictures on the wall and stuff. Uh, there's a, a little p- uh, plane model hanging from the ceiling, which is like a universal TV signifier that this is a child's bedroom because I don't think I've ever known anyone who had a plane hanging from their ceiling, but they were everywhere on TV and ads and movies. I, I just noticed this watching um, it now that there's a mm-hmm. there's a poster that just has different types of crystals on the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, he d- oh that's great. Yeah, that's uh, some nice uh, thematic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's almost like a, a set dresser joke right there. That is just, hey, Crystal O'Neill is there, and they're supposed to about crystals. Uh, or, so, I mean, sorry. that's at first I thought maybe like, oh, apparently Charlie knew something about crystals, and that's why he's looking for Charlie. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was an intentional red herring or if that was just me. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it, that's a, that's a fun perspective because I I never thought. That I, I barely noticed the crystals poster. Uh, yeah, at this point you don't really know why he's there. Like at first you think he's scary and he's gonna be a villain. I missed. And, I uh, missed that set dressing. 
But I can tell you as a high school teacher, yeah. uh, kids love gemstones. They're big into crystals. Yeah. Crystals are cool. It's like uh, it's like Martin Prince with a geode. Um, but yeah, he's basically... So his uh, former father-in-law is standing there too, and they just kind of reminisce about how much uh, Charlie used to love laughing. And we get like some flashbacks of uh, Crystal O'Neill, I guess remembering O'Neill's memories, because we get some, some... We get some basically footage uh, of uh, a cyberpunk detective remembering his dead wife uh, version uh, of scenes of Charlie where he's just like running around laughing. Uh, we get a shot where he's just like playing baseball and hitting a ball with his bat. Uh, and they say stuff like, yeah, he used to love, uh, no, he doesn't say baseball right now because that's later with Sarah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we get to, to I guess the, the literal, yeah, uh, so basically, uh, this fake O'Neill doesn't say anything. So, uh, the, the, the grandpa is, uh, taking up the slack in the conversation by saying, yeah, you know, uh, for an Irishman, you never were much of a talker. Uh, so, I, yeah, he basically says, yeah, I get it. Uh, you came here, do what you want to do. Uh, but uh, warning, my daughter is still holds a candle for you. And if you break her heart, I will break your face in. Basically, he threatens him. Um, but um, I'm sorry, I just yeah, want to hold basically. that to the whole not not much of a talker thing. The only way uh-huh. that makes sense is if he was always like one L O'Neill at first, and just at some point uh-huh. in the year before, just develops an entirely different personality. Correct. God, right? Yeah, because because O'Neill never fucking shuts up. He's always filling in the silence with a one-liner or like a, a Whedon joke of some kind. Um, I mean, maybe he just never liked his father-in-law and never just talked to him. Actually, that would—that's the other explanation. I mean, he um, likes his father. He would have to like his father-in-law less than Gawuld. <laughs> yeah, because he does talk back. But I mean, when you're openly like hostile to an, an evil alien, it's easier to be like sassy at them, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah. So uh, the the father-in-law just leaves. Uh, He's credited as Sarah's father, by the way, so uh, he doesn't even—he doesn't have a name. Uh, we just—we don't have an easier way of ref- referring to him. Um, we don't even know what his last name is because uh, Sarah O'Neill—that's uh, her—you know, she got married to him. Um, so yeah, uh, we we have like Crystal O'Neill holding a baseball that he found on uh, on the dresser, and he. Has a little. He has a memory of uh, Charlie playing baseball and hitting and having fun with him. And then, like, he picks up a picture frame of Charlie, uh, and then he flashes back to uh, the the saddest moment in O'Neill's life, which is uh, <laughs> uh, it starts off like a cute. He's running towards Sarah and like go, goes in to kiss her and stuff, and they they look very happy. Uh, this is, as I said, very uh, cyberpunk detective uh, flashback. Um, and he goes up to her and she's like, hey, so we just got this from the school and it's his school picture and he's very cute and they're extremely happy. It's really nice and uh, they don't know where he is. He was there just a minute ago and then bang, gunshot. Uh, the camera whips up, to, whips up to the second floor window and you see uh, the shot go, going back to the parents staring back and they're just the absolute horror on their face and it just like it flashes back to the present before it goes any further and you know we understand that's the moment where Charlie died um, and we cut back to Crystal O'Neill now 
like holding a bunch of Charlie's clothes and hugging them close and like sobbing right into them because uh, uh, the the feeling of grief has just caught up to him and he's just uh, understands, I guess, uh, the whole sadness uh, that this strange human uh, brought into his life, I guess, when he copied him. Uh, we're, we're starting to get the feeling that maybe this alien is maybe not a bad guy uh, from this scene. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, not being a bad guy, uh, we cut back to the SGC where they just like shoot one of those crystals uh, Tilk does with a staff weapon and shatter it in a million pieces. Um, Daniel has like some big like blacksmithing gloves on and he picks up a piece with some uh, tongs. And then, like, <laughs> the, there's a funny bit where uh, the alarm uh, sounds, and like, there's people in the control room just staring at them, and like, are kind of like asking, "Hey, what's going on there? Why is this? <laughs> what's going on?" And then Teal is like, "Hey, uh, you did get like a permission to fire my weapon in the staff room and cause an explosion, right?" And <laughs> Carter and Daniel just go, "Oh yeah, totally. Uh, clearly." didn't go through the proper channels for this. They were just so damn sans excited about well, these crystals. I hope that crystal's life force had already faded before they shot it. Yeah, the, the the one consolation is that at the end of the episode, we see that the crystals say that they don't really have death in the same way that we do. So who knows? Like The crystal is a kind of holding uh matter yeah, I'm sure thing it's the when, uh energy cannot be destroyed it just yeah takes a new so, form yeah so the energy the unity they ca- they're going to call it later which is the actual life form is pure energy but needs to like be attached to these crystals to like keep stable and if they don't go back to their crystals they they eventually become unstable and start uh radiating and it can get dangerous uh, but, but yeah, the, I'm just like uh, summarizing exposition from later in the episode, but uh, that's how they are. So yeah, it's not it's not cool for them that they broke this crystal because uh, that's that 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 must be somebody's home, I guess. Um, yeah, they're they're not mutilating a corpse; they're just you know destroying their house. It's yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so if they don't they don't know this, uh, they don't know. No one knows yet that the crystals are alive. Um, they, they put the crystal in a big old scanner and then like look at the energy signature that's left on it and compare it to the ones that they found on the planet uh, because I guess it leaves some kind of electric charge when you shoot something with the staff weapons and that can be identified. Uh, basically, the point of it is they discovered that all the crystals on the planet were also blown up by gold staff weapons, which... Uh, tells them that the gold were probably there and were probably the ones that broke all of them. Um, so uh, another little piece of the puzzle. Um, I'm. We cut back to Sarah. I'm surprised Sorry. that the world couldn't find some way to utilize those crystals as a weapon or a technology. It seems like their thing is just yeah. repurposing anything supernatural or uh, powerful. Yeah, you'd think that. I, I guess they were. You know, they were scared enough because we're going to learn at the end of the episode that one of the Jaffa died from touching the crystals and they, they, they like immediately figured, oh no, these things, we can't touch them, we can't take them, we have to destroy them because it's also been stated that the gold like to destroy anything they can't control. And I guess uh, I this mean- must have been a gold on an off day who didn't feel up to the task because they were like nope you know what just blow all this up i don't have any more interest in this i mean it's intelligent uh, life th- that they can't in fact that's that on its right. own is probably that, scary that, 
that's the other thing. They can't take these things at hosts. There's nowhere for a larva to bury, so that's useless to them. No, um, but Ra could take them to look fabulous. Yeah, he could, but he, it would like shock him pretty badly. Uh, so I guess that's dangerous. Like, if they were any kind of creative, you, there's absolutely some way to take these, these crystals and their radioactive properties to produce some energy. Like they could, they could stick these into some kind of reactors and power sh- spaceships with them. Probably, if they if they came down to it, it would be a horrific uh, hell. Considering these are sentient beings that be basically enslaving to for power generation. But you know, that's Star not about the that next Evangelion. Yeah, Put the dilithium <laughs> crystals in the ship. Uh huh. Basically, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so we are back at Sarah's house, uh, where Crystal O'Neill is uh, walking down the stairs, and Sarah is sitting in the in the living room, and she's like, "Hey, I've never seen you break down like this. Are you okay?" Uh, is there anything I can do? Like, it's it's rough. Like, so she sees, basically, she interprets uh, this crystal guy's reaction as uh, O'Neill basically, for the first time, having a normal human reaction to his son dying. Uh, so, she's like, she, you know, she opens up to him and basically uh, asks him if he's fine. And, like, Crystal O'Neill uh, reacts in a non-human way by saying... Didn't Charlie really like this game? And she says, baseball? Yeah, baseball. Um, and that's the end of the conversation because uh, Crystal O'Neill says, I have to go back to the Stargate. And Sarah, of course, doesn't know what that is. Uh, so she's like, yeah, okay. Just go do whatever bullshit it is and walk out of my life again, you asshole. Um, and yeah, so at this point, uh, Crystal O'Neill, who's starting to understand things like human emotions, uh, sees that she's upset and he sits down and says, Hey, uh, what's wrong? And she says, Well, I'm crying because, like, you're being an asshole and you're reminding me of my dead son. Um, and he kind of, uh, yeah, so, uh, so she, she, she's very like, she, she can't size him up. Because, uh, like, upstairs he was crying, and now he's being all weird again, and he's asking questions and showing concern, but also, like, not being warm with her or anything. Uh, so she's really puzzled by this. Um, <laughs> she asks, Where, where's that O'Neill military bravado? And he answers, I don't think I have it, which, you know, seems like a weird joke, but he, like, that's, that's a sincere thing he's saying because he doesn't understand. And she kind of, like, smiles and he smiles back at her in a re- not, not creepy way, just a weird, like, he's, like, trying to learn how to do it. It's, 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 it's kind of sweet in a weird way. Uh, then, yeah. Uh, he, he turns his head and notices that there's smoke because uh, something is burning. And I guess, like she says, Mike left the casserole in for me, so I guess that's her dad's name. Um, but, like, he's already out of the episode anyway. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's some, some more science at the SGC. Uh, they keep looking at it. Uh, they see that... Uh, yeah, okay, so they're looking at the readings, and um, Daniel is just staring directly at the crystal, and it kind of, like, moves a little bit, and he goes, whoa, hey, that's... that's, that's uh, Freaky, um, yeah, it it, it kind of makes a face, so uh, like uh, that kind of scares him off, and he like calls everyone else there to to look at it, and he says, "Hey, uh, I saw my face in that crystal. That was really weird," and th- they they think like he just saw his own reflection. It's like, no, 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 wait, look at it, and uh, Carter l- really bends over and stares at it, 
and then it it, it shifts once again and kind of takes the the shape of her face and a little like uh nice detail that isn't going to mean anything to the new watchers here but that I enjoy is that she she uh she uh pulls back and says holy hannah which is going to be eventually we're going to meet uh, her dad and that's like his catchphrase is saying holy hannah so i guess they took that line from this episode and like wrote a backstory for it or something it's just a it's it's just a really nice uh <laughs> thing to go back to and see cuz it's like consistent with uh with her dad who who says that all the time um, is there a reason why he says it or is it just uh, cuz he's an old fashioned guy and he doesn't okay. want to swear and it's a tv show so he says he says holy hannah instead of holy shit is he, he's kind of not cringy but he he he's he's he's, he's kind of kind of a goofy gotcha. doesn't do right type of guy even though he's also in the army um but yeah he it's just like he says it in an endearing way and that's kind of his catchphrase um so yeah after they see that okay yeah so the the next thing that happens is the gate starts dialing uh at the same time because it cuts back and forth between this scene and the and the gate uh it's yeah before they can look some more at the at the crystal, the the alarm rings and uh, the whole base uh, off-world activation, unscheduled, whatever. Uh, this is not a drill. Be careful. Um, they get to the Stargate. Uh, the iris is open because uh, someone did send the correct code through. So, uh, but like Hammond doesn't understand because all the teams are accounted for. No one is is off-world right now. Doesn't understand how that's possible. So they just have a bunch of people in the gate room pointing guns at the gate, ready for anything. Um, and of course, out out walks the real Jack O'Neill, uh, <laughs> who just like uh, uh, jumps out of the Stargate and goes, "Hey, what the fuck? You left me behind. What's what's with that?" He doesn't understand anything else that's happened so far. He just sees everyone pointing their guns at him, and he's like, "Whoa, hang on, I, what's going on?" I really uh, thought that he would come out uh, sunburned to shit. Yeah, same. <laughs> He should, right? He was, like, passed out on a desert planet. Uh, it seemed really sunny over there, you're right. Um, y- even though it is sulfur dunes, it's not an actual desert, I guess. It could be any climate there. But it, like, yeah, there was there were no clouds in the sky. It was, for once, an actual very bright, sunny Vancouver day that they shot on. Um, I mean, if we yeah, assume that uh, that planet was also sulfur, he's got to smell like shit. Oh, yeah, he needs a shower real bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, he doesn't understand why everyone's like scared of him at this point, and uh, they just like take him into custody because like now they assume that he must be some kind of weird doppelganger. Um, so we get some like security camera footage on uh, on a computer monitor uh, where he's just like pacing around in his room and talking directly to the camera and yells at, yells at them. He gets up on a chair and put his face right in the camera and yells at them to let him get out uh, to, to to let him out of the cell, which is enough to make Carter laugh because uh, they all really uh, recognize him. Like he's acting like O'Neill uh, very authentically, so you know they they might join the dots there and realize that the other guy really didn't. Uh, but anyway, we, we caught on like <laughs> O'Neill apparently like just punching the camera with a pillow. Um, but yeah, now uh, we're in a park with the fake O'Neill and Sarah who are eating fries on a picnic table and they're 
engaging in that time-honored tradition of sitting next to your ex and being in uh, awkward, uh, paralyzed silence and staring directly ahead and not saying anything. Um, because that's what they're doing, and she decides to break the ice and say, hey, uh, so you brought me all the way here and haven't said a word. How about you just tell me what's going on? If Do you want us to get back together? Or do you, have, do you want to apologize? Or whatever. Uh, th- now would be the time to say something. Um, uh, and like, yeah, the fake O'Neill uh, just reminisces uh about i guess this is the park where they had their first date or something and she once again stares at him like what the fuck is wrong with you um and like he says are you angry and she says no i'm not angry and then like she takes a moment and goes yeah actually i am really angry uh i mean that's fair uh, no no wait no no wait yeah she's um he, he says uh, the he left because she was angry. Uh, hang on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, he asks her if she's angry. She says no. And he says, yeah, you were. And she's like, what are you talking about? Uh, he says, yeah, well, when Charlie died, you were angry. And that's why I left. So now she's really angry because that's a really horrible thing to say to someone. Um uh yeah, but weirdly enough like that's just the that's just the crystal guy uh, interpreting O'Neill's actual memories so uh there must be some kind of truth to it like cuz O'Neill was like couldn't stand the fact that she was angry at him at first um and like she she does admit that she was angry at him specifically because uh he did shoot himself with his gun uh so <laughs> Yeah, um, and and she's like very sad also because you know if he'd stuck around they could have like uh, gone through with it. And instead, since he left, they had to each live their grief separately, which uh, was real nasty and awful. Um, and he says, "Yeah, I know." And I guess it's the <laughs> yeah. She she takes it like as him trying to apologize, even though it's not really worded that way. Um, but like it sounds like he's trying to say uh, that he understands what happened and he came back to make it better. Uh, but he says like, uh, yeah, I can't make you understand why I'm here. It's just really weird. And also, yeah, I've made a mistake. I thought I could bring Charlie back through the Stargate. And she, uh, she gets angry again at this point, And she's like, oh, wait, no, stop it with your bullshit. Because <laughs> um, she she still thinks that the Stargate is some kind of weird cover story or fake or whatever, um, and she's like disappointed because she wanted to have a real heart to heart with him, and he's not giving her that. And then like he he gets all like covered in electricity and falls down to the ground. Uh, he's in real bad shape. So uh, priorities shift. Um, yeah. So, uh, back on the base, uh, Dr. Frazier is there, and she's examined O'Neill and determined that he is O'Neill, and uh, he's just like, yeah, they, they say, wait, uh, they, they mentioned the other guy, and he's like, wait, what other guy, what are you talking about? And they show him the footage of the other O'Neill walking back to the Stargate, and he's like, well, okay, that's not me. Um, oh, okay, so they do name the planet here. Uh, P3X562 was the name of it. Um, so they say, yeah, it's probably linked to the crystals that are showing our face somehow. Uh, we should probably 
uh, try this again, the thing we were about to try to do when the Stargate activated. Um, since the crystal copied them, maybe it did the same thing with O'Neill. Um, oh yeah, they mentioned because uh, the, the crystal apparently asked them for help earlier. So um, they, they think, yeah, yeah, we can talk to it and figure this out. Um, so uh, Carter uh, crouches back in front of the, the crystal and like puts her face in front of it and tries to talk to it and it forms her face again, uh, starts talking to her. Uh, that's when it, yeah, it explains that uh, it's, it's an energy life form, whatever uh, they, they call, call themselves the unity. Um, they ask, how come you haven't talked to us before? And they, it says, well, we were afraid of you because uh, the gold came to our planet and um, we ac- accidentally zapped them back then too, like we did you. And one of them died and they got real angry at that and shot, o- shot all of us. So we're, uh, we, we were really afraid of you because uh, we thought the same thing was going was gonna to happen when we hurt you. Um, so uh yeah so that's 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 all we get for now because uh, we get like a, a soldier kind of walking in and saying that they've searched everywhere for the other O'Neill and can't find him anywhere on the base um, so uh yeah uh, they they also figure out that uh when the energy is uh away from the crystals for too long it like destabilizes and start radi- starts radiating and that could be real bad um and Carter says that, okay, so the, the doppelganger uh, was looking at O'Neill's stuff before it left, so maybe it, like, went over <laughs> to see your family. And he, clearly upset, gets up and goes to the phone and tries to call Sarah. Uh, no one picks up because she's not home anymore. That's, that's um, a very lucky leap of logic because, as you yeah. mentioned, he had a photo of him, what, in the Gulf War? Like, they could have... Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. the crystal's going towards the Middle East! <laughs> he, yeah, he's going to Iraq. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, the pilot would have had point. more questions if it's like, yeah, I need, I need to go to Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, especially since you know, it's still, it's a. Uh, I guess it's not quite a hostile state, but at least Iraq, like the, the war was over and it wasn't. Uh, U.S. soldiers were not and are still not welcome there. I guess. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, they figure out that, yeah, he must be in Chicago over to see Sarah. Uh, that's dangerous. Uh, so, SG-1 mobilizes to go over there. Uh, they're about to walk into the elevator, and Hammond says, oh, wait, hang on, Teal. Uh, you can't go there with your staff weapon, because that's a classified sci-fi weapon that no one knows about. And also, yeah, you, you remember, you can't say anything that is gonna clue people into the existence of the Stargate. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and he hands Tilk a cap with Chicago written on it, uh, and Tilk gives us like uh, the, the Wikipedia summary of uh, the city of Chicago because <laughs> he says home of the Blackhawks, the Bulls, and the White Sox. Because I guess he he mostly read up on the sports yeah, teams of that city, the athletic history um, of Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's and this like uh, this this is the inauguration of the very fun running gag of Teal having a variety of funny hats when he has to go somewhere on Earth. Uh, this one is like relatively tame compared to some later ones. And we don't get to cap, see a lot of it. No, right? We don't. We don't. We don't get enough, honestly, because uh, it's not like he's Teal is very peripheral to this whole story. Um, 
Anyway, uh, so uh, uh, in a hospital. Sorry. Do does he really need the hats? I it, <laughs> he just has a I mean, thing he, on his forehead, like. Yeah, I mean, it it looks like body mod, maybe. Like uh, the thing is, like, it looks cheap because it's a TV show, but it's supposed to be like solidified molten gold that's like it poured into his skin as a tattoo. Uh, like, <laughs> so like if you yeah. had the, like horns or something, like yeah, that's the bigger issue is if he was ever shirtless, <laughs> then then people would yeah. freak out. <laughs> but as it is, yeah, the the, the pouch on his belly, yeah. yeah. As it is, he just has like a weird forehead thing. Like, okay. Uh-huh. I guess the concern is if Apophis ever attacked and showed himself and then someone remembered that they saw Tilk with the same symbol on his forehead, that could be trouble. I don't know. Uh, apparently they treat like all gold uh, symbologies uh, as classified, I guess, even though no one can really put together what that means. Um, but it's going to be funny even because... Technically, some- it, in theory, it's like all over like any museum. <laughs> yeah. Right, because it's it would be like a symbol that's from Egyptian hieroglyphs. He he would ju- he could just be way into Egypt. This guy, uh, to the point where he gets a really really hardcore uh, body mod on his forehead that ensures he's never gonna get a job anywhere, um, except with the Air Force apparently. So uh, we're in a um, Chicago hospital now with the fake O'Neill laying down on a bed and Sarah sitting next to him. Uh, they t- talk a little bit more. Uh, Crystal O'Neill remembers that this is the hospital where they came when uh, Charlie had his accident, and this is where he died. What did Sarah uh, tell the intake doctor? Yeah, so this is my ex-husband. Uh, he, yeah, he he was covered in electricity. He was electrocuted. I don't know how she would rationalize it, like that he hit something zapped him. I don't know. Okay, uh, doctor, have you ever seen Ernest goes to jail? <laughs> Yeah, he didn't quite turn into a skeleton, but a uh, bunch of blue sparks all, all over him. He looks pretty bad. Uh, anyway, so they reminisce a little more about Charlie, and then like he starts zapping around again. Uh, he's not doing well, clearly. Oh, oh, S- Simon, sorry, sorry, intro. I just watched, looking at the effects, I, I think I figured something mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That's the same effect they use for Zats later. Oh yeah, that's that's got to be it, right? It's uh, if 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 you need to, yeah, if you need to show someone being electrocuted, there's no no two ways about it. Uh, they they probably definitely reused that no. little CG element so, on so whoever needed it. So if we assume it's the same, it, it's in universe supposed to be the same thing, then maybe uh-huh. the Gatwold <laughs> took the took these guys and made them into Zats. Oh yeah. I like that headcanon. This is the origin of Zats. They 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 t- they took the tech and then killed all the crystals because they d- didn't need them anymore. I like that. That that's a that's a good explanation. Uh, everyone else, Zats are going to show up at the end of the season. It's another type of gold weapon that does electricity stuff. Um, Emphasis on stuff. Yep. Uh, it, it's it has weird behaviors on stuff that we're going to go all over when it's time. Um, so yeah, he's that some more, and she runs out of the room basically because uh, she's starting to feel like, hey, maybe being next to him is kind of dangerous now. Um, so we're outside the hospital, and apparently, like the Air Force SG One has coordinated with the sh- like uh, a police. Uh, I don't know if he's a captain or a sergeant or whatever, but there's there's a cop there talking into walkie-talkie who's coordinating with the hospital staff, and. Uh, 
tells a doctor, I guess, who's there, that as soon as O'Neill and his team come uh, get there, they should uh, shut off the power to the whole hospital. Which, hey, first of all, uh, hospitals never lose power. They have generators because if you cut the power to a hospital, a lot of people are going to die in there. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Second of all, we don't... maybe talk to the uh, you know, building maintenance guy instead of a uh-huh. doctor. Yeah, you you might want to do that, right? A- anyone who works in the hospital would know this, but, you know. Um, so, uh, we get a little bit more mindfuckery for Sarah now, because uh, as she's standing in the the, the, hall- the hospital hallway, having a nurse uh, just put a bandage on her hand, because bur- she burned herself on the, the electrocuting uh, Crystal O'Neill back there. Uh, she sees SG-1 just, like, run into the hospital, including the real Jack O'Neill, and she doesn't understand anything. And <laughs> she's like, what? Hi, hang on, what's going on? Um, and he just, like, hugs her and says, hey, no, wait, this is the real me, okay? Don't worry about it, I'll explain later. Uh, where's the other one uh, right now? And she just kind of points in his direction, and... Uh, uh, they go over there, and actually, uh, only Jack and Teal go there, while Carter and Daniel stay behind and like kind of escort Sarah out. Um, so uh, they find uh, the the seizing and sparkling uh, Crystal Neil now laying on the floor uh, in a real bad way, and they they have like these gas masks on, I guess, with. Uh, Geiger counters because uh, to protect themselves from radiation, I guess uh, they don't want to breathe in any uh, particles. Um, so yeah, they they approach him, um, and like he's he says basically, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm about to explode here. It's gonna be real bad. Uh, they, he kind of zaps uh, O'Neill and Teal back to the wall a little bit, uh, <laughs> and then like he picks the Geiger counter back up. And realizes that the radiation has apparently fallen down because, like, this discharge made him stable again for a little bit. Well, well also, the actors uh, need to be able to emote. Yeah, that's the other thing. They 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 need an excuse to take to take off their gas masks because uh, apparently now it's it's safe enough that they can all take it off. Uh, Daniel and Carter have come back and have joined them over there. Uh, is still even wearing the cap. Like, he, he put the gas mask on, and that's it, huh? right? It's such a shame. He barely got to wear it. Poor Tilk. Um So, yeah, they... they So, they talk to the Crystal Jack, uh, who, like, starts to explain everything. Uh, basically, the thing is, yeah, uh, O'Neill touched the crystal, it accidentally discharged and uh, sent him to the ground, and the crystal was worried that uh, they were golds and they were going to destroy them for this again. Uh, So it copied O'Neill's whole body and his memories, and he he decided to uh, make good on it by healing him, uh, but... We, it didn't understand and as it was copying him that like it 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 zeroed in on the biggest pain O'Neill was feeling, which was not the physical one from being zapped, but the emotional one from losing his son, and decided that okay, we need to uh fix this pain now. Uh and since it doesn't understand death or anything, uh it decided to just go to Earth, get Charlie, bring him back, and show it to show him to O'Neill and he would be happy and not not in pain anymore. Um 
Because it doesn't understand death or grief or anything. It, it, it only understands pain, and it understands that if Charlie was there, the pain would not be there. Uh, it's really sad. And then it got to Earth and understa- understood everything, and that Charlie was gone forever, and there was no way to bring him back, and that the pain would be there forever, and there was no way to fix it. Um, so, but uh, as it's it, it's it's kind of dying and having a hard time, uh, but it it at least decides to, I guess, temporarily relieve O'Neill's pain by turning into Charlie uh, <laughs> and just kind of talking with him a little bit. Uh, I don't know if uh, I'm no psychologist. Uh, I don't know if that would help someone. I, I, I also think that's not the situation that's likely to come up very much. But Honestly, uh, I feel like this would make it worse. Yeah, I would y- pass. you know. Yeah, in, in the moment you would like feel a huge surge of relief and whatever, and like, oh my god, I can see my son again. That this is amazing. And then like as soon as he's gone again, it, it would like you would crash and it would be even worse, right? Knowing that there's some kind of crystal guy out there who can like show who can be your son anytime, and he's just out there and you can't, you can't have it anymore. What, uh, that would that what sorry, what Chris, one of huh? my criticisms of this episode is. So when when the crystal becomes uh, Charlie and he walks out and meets mm-hmm. his mom, effectively, uh, mm-hmm. either like I have to presume she's in shock because otherwise yeah. the uh, human reaction would be to hug that individual <laughs> until someone pries you yep. away from them. Yeah, 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 right. Uh, but she, yeah, <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's a it's a real weird scene. But it's hard to imagine how anyone would. Uh, normally react to this fucked up situation. Uh, also, oh. friend of the show, Larlar, wanted wanted us to say at this point, come on, Charlie, let's go traumatize your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe go out, ask her if she wants to see him first. Yeah. And, like, he, I mean, like, he does say, this isn't actually Charlie. Yeah, they, they, wa- they, wa- they walk out, he's holding him by the hand. Uh it's very cute, but yeah, as soon as they get to Sarah, O'Neill uh, says, you know, this isn't really Charlie, though. Oh, and Tilk is wearing the hat now, so everything is good, actually. Um, so uh, they, they, they go up to Sarah, and she stares at him, and <laughs> yeah, uh, good, good acting on this, uh, this lady's part, because she, uh, he, she is like uh, a mix of horrified and amazed, and like she can take her eyes off him, and she's, uh, yeah... Uh, <laughs> the energy yeah. being that uh, is looking like our son is kind mm-hmm. of dying, so it's kind of like Charlie's dying a second time. Yeah, uh, she's trying not to freak out, and she's uh, very emotional, very f- feeling every possible emotion at the same time. Uh, she kind of just touches his hand, and like uh, it's very sad. She breaks down into sobs. Um, I don't think, yeah, she doesn't even hug Charlie. She, she hugs Oni a little bit because I guess we're meant to, to take that this is like just the final goodbye that she needed and it's gonna help her and him presumably heal because O'Neill, like as she said earlier, he kind of like doesn't show, uh, he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve. He doesn't show his emotion very much. So we don't really, like, we get like in the, in the earlier scene when he was talking to Charlie when he first, changed you you saw a little dash of emotion in his eyes uh but it's 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 more subdued uh and when now he's talking to sarah and he seems to be in control of it and like uh yeah uh and he he just hugs her and 
I guess, like, yeah. Tomorrow, the when Sarah's same- in less shock, what the hell does she think happened this weekend? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing, is presumably you have, like, some Air Force gentleman showing up at her house later on, making her sign an NDA because she heard about the Stargate and she saw this uh, doppelganger alien uh, entity, and this is all stuff that is extre- extremely classified. So, presumably she... That I, I would be surprised if they told her a single more bit of data on everything, but they at, they at least made her sign some papers that she wouldn't tell anyone about it. Because I I don't think we're ever gonna I don't think Sarah ever appears again on this show after this. This is the last time we see her. Um, but yeah, uh, they hug for a little bit, and uh, then yeah, we see it, it. Basically, just cuts to the gate room. Uh, yeah, we see Sarah say goodbye to Jack. Uh, and then it's the gate room and the Stargate is open. Uh, Crystal Charlie seems to be holding together pretty well, considering he was dying earlier. Um, but don't. O'Neill basically just... Sorry. I was going to say, don't uh, tell Sarah to uh, get checked for radiation poisoning or anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing, right? The thing was emitting radiation that was... Uh, I guess it burnt her hand a little bit. Uh, it, they, they got there just in time to prevent it from uh, growing to lethal levels because SG-1 and, like, everyone in that hospital would have had a pretty bad dose of it, too. You you asked what Sarah must have thought of this crazy weekend. If I was Stargate Command, mm-hmm. uh, well, I would lie to her, mm-hmm. but the specific lie I would push <laughs> is, uh, well, it was, it was divine providence. What happened was a miracle. We had a celestial intervention. <gasps> uh... <laughs> That that wasn't your husband. The, the official. That was an angel. Yeah. And that son you saw. Yeah. The of- an angel again. <laughs> They're all angels. And then if she tells anybody, she's gonna come off as crazy. Uh huh. Yeah. That's the. It, it's like on The Simpsons where the, the aliens like just uh, covered Homer in booze to to have yeah. him like no one had believe him his story basically yeah uh they they play it a little more tactfully than that i think it's just like you know sign an nda the same way a contractor on the sgc would i guess um because this is one of those like secret conspiracies that has to involve like hundreds of thousands of people to keep on their wraps it's that that's like it's it's not the worst suspension of disbelief on this show because you know stargate and everything but uh yeah, it's it, it seems like a real far-reaching, uh, top-secret thing that no one ever talks about. Wait, how are uh, you getting 100,000 people? I don't know. I, I just think uh, all the staff of the SGC, all the military, and then all the scientists and the civilians that also work there, the doctors, and then anyone who's like a contractor that has to go in, like electricians and plumbers and like whoever has to go and fix the lights in there every once in a while, someone has to... Go, like, I guess, I guess there are things that are top secret like this in real life, and it's like they don't leak too much, I guess. Oh, uh, I, I imagine <laughs> you probably have to talk to a hundred people, and then everybody else, you just say uh-huh. uh, someone was involved in a radiation accident. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of the 9-11 conspiracy theories and like that high number. I guess keeping a thing under wraps is not quite the same as keeping a building that everyone saw collapse under wraps. Uh, it's a different level of magnitude. Um, but yeah, O'Neill uh, takes uh, Crystal Charlie's hand and walks through the Stargate with him to take him back to his crystal on, this, on his planet. And that's the end of it. 
And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's talking about it makes it less sad to me because especially since I get to snark about it. But I did uh, become a subbing mess both of the last times I watched this episode. Uh, as a dad myself, it's a real hard thing to watch. <laughs> but um, there you go. That was Cold Lazarus. Uh, maybe my favorite season one episode, actually. Now that I think about it, uh, even though it uh, it's all internal character backstory it doesn't advance the arcs much or, or anything but really effective uh on an emotional level um we have a couple questions that we got on the twitter uh at jaffa takes uh if you follow there and when i ask for questions you can ask your questions on this podcast uh aurora borealis asks okay uh she made an among us joke in the discord in, near the start of the episode and she would like to rescind that remark uh noted yeah uh, it, it starts off seeming like it's going to be a bad guy and then the twist i guess is that it's not a bad guy uh yeah i i get that it's fine um okay first question which chicago sports team has the best name uh i don't know i guess the, the white Sox seems real weird and random to me i don't know like there's got to be some kind of story there uh i enjoy he, he says like the blackhawks the white Sox, the bulls and uh this there's another one i forgot that they mentioned in the episode um uh the jack interrupts and says don't forget the cubs oh yeah the cubs the other uh baseball team uh i'm I, so yes i'm <laughs> looking at a big list there's a lot uh oh yeah there's got to be more right okay yeah uh, chicago uh, it's the second the third largest city in the united states they got a lot of uh right right uh the the ones that are jumping out to me that i really like uh bandits because their mascot looks like the shadow Mm -hmm. oh nice uh let's see thunderbolts they got a pretty good good name and like mascot some graphic design Uh, my favorite Mm -hmm. though is Mm -hmm. where was it uh there's one where it was just dog. Yeah, Chicago Dogs. Their mascot was hot dogs. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Uh, is the Chicago hot dog also a weird uh, cooking thing, or is it just no, no, no relation? Uh, wild guess. It's probably the toppings. Every regional city hot dog yeah. is toppings. Okay, let me just look it up. Chicago style hot dog. What's on there? Oh, there, there seems to be a big old pickles on top of it and like hot peppers and tomatoes wow that's a lot for a hot dog it seems like it would be real awkward to eat because it's very white uh, my bigger concern the regional hot dogs do it's weird yeah the, like the pickle <laughs> would be too crunchy like it'd be my uh, beyond yeah just i don't like pickles but like the texture it would be too uh-huh. hard yeah at some point, like you're losing the hot dog in there, you can, you can barely taste the hot the, the wiener anymore. I mean, you um, you cut up that pickle and turn it into relish. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relish is good. Relish is a canonical hot dog yeah. topping. Um, there seems to be relish on that picture as well. It's just a lot. Um, pickles and relish. That's yeah. I mean, I, I like pickles and relish, like on on a burger, especially if the pickle is kind of sour and it. Uh, you know, it it uh, balances the sweet relish, uh, but yeah, in a hot dog, that seems like hard. It, it, it almost like you need a knife and fork to eat it, basically, which is not the ideal hot dog experience. Um, so I'm looking at the anyway, list uh, of Chicago teams too. 
And I'm just amused that uh-huh. their their football team is the Bears and the base one of their baseball teams is the Cubs. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. They really I guess the Midwest has uh probably the bear population around these parts is pretty high. So uh it's kinda natural that uh they would go there. Um yeah, uh, the next question, another thing I understand, if anyone could help me, what would Tilk think of the cloud gate? Oh, is that a Chicago landmark? Hang on, let me uh, look at a cloud gate. That's a giant. Oh, uh, it's the giant. Silvery it's thing. a chrome bean thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's- yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tilk would think it's interesting. He would think, uh, he would say indeed and look at himself in it, I guess. Yeah, it, like, um, it feels like Tilk knows art. He understands the concept of art. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks... Uh, in a sci-fi context, you might think it's some kind of alien device that does something and not just art. Um, he would say, yeah, he would. I prefer cubism. <laughs> <laughs> he looked that up, I guess, on one of his uh, National Geographic magazines and TV channels that he looks at. That is uh, definitely a later season tilt joke. He would definitely say that later. Yeah, somebody yeah, showed sure. Teal the joy of painting with Bob Ross. He'd love <laughs> oh, that would, guy. He's so stoic. I, yeah, I would love to see like Teal painting something. I don't think we get that. Um, uh, other question: Any cool looking crystals you'd like to own? Uh, that's that's a real wide uh, <laughs> ranging question. I guess the the blue crystals on this episode do look pretty cool. They're huge. Uh, the ones that are intact, anyway. Um, one time I did one of those grow your own crystal kits, and that was pretty fun. Grow your like own you crystals. Could, yeah, it's like a rock, and then there's like some sort of substance you put on it, and then you leave it in the sunlight. Oh, it's solid. And, it solidifies. Oh, that's cool. Right. Well, and I'd have to look it up. I don't remember the exact reaction and how mm-hmm. it works, but it's like you could add coloring to it to make it grow whatever color crystals you wanted yeah that's cool and it's it's like whatever process is happening is much faster than the actual uh, millennia that it takes for crystals to form naturally uh give me every crystal every gemstone give me all of them okay yeah and then he's just controlled the world gemstone trade and become filthy rich from it that's that's a good plan. Uh, the I, I looked up make growing on crystals, and one of the pictures reminds me of those uh, rock sugar sticks that you can use to put in something and sweeten them. And I just want some of those. They look cool, and you can just put them in tea or coffee and sweeten your your beverage. I like that. Uh, that's that that's that's the crystal I'd like to own. Uh, when <laughs> no conflict there, I guess. Uh, when when I was in my twenties, I used to make Jolly Rancher vodka and skittle vodka mm-hmm. and uh during oh, yeah. that process there's so much sugar that eventually crystals mm-hmm. start to form on the rim of the like mouth nice i like yeah. that yeah sugar crystals they're great underrated i love them uh and i said also like conflict free earlier but i'm not kidding anyone the sugar uh trade is also uh filled with questionable uh <laughs> labor practices so uh yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. Jasmine Marsh asks, "What aspects of Jack most shine through in your the defining tragedy did not in fact strike AU headcanon slash alternate universe?" Uh, yeah, basically, if Jack didn't lose his son, how would he be different? Is the question. Um, 
Um, well, he wouldn't have. Then he's probably Sorry. more more psychologically stable, so they don't pick him to lead yeah. the suicide mission to go through the Stargate, and he never gets involved yeah. in any of this. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. If 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 his son didn't die, Stargate never happens. At least not with him. So he's not involved. Uh, the other thing is uh, the implication from his characterization is that him being like a snarky goofball is kind of his natural state, and he he, he kind of like pushes the memory of his dead son uh, various levels of deep down to stop thinking about it, and that's then that's how he gets back to his uh, neutral which is uh, the one we know and love. So I, ge- I guess he wouldn't be that different, except he would might still live with his family and wouldn't be a, a part of SG-1. <laughs> he would live happily ever after, basically. But also, if he wasn't there, maybe we would all be dead from a gold attack, so who's to say? Um, but uh, yeah, I think basically my answer is that he's not much different from the one we know. It's just that he doesn't have a hidden tragedy. Uh, okay, so that's it for the questions. Uh, if you want to have a question read, as I said, uh, leave a comment or DM uh, the Twitter account that's at JaffaTakes. You can also send an email to JaffaTakesPodcast at gmail.com to have us read it on the podcast. Uh, you can also join the uh, JaffaTakes channel on the Audio Entropy Underground Discord uh, server. So if you want to just chat with us and uh, interact and maybe like if you want to drop some questions for the podcast on there, we can also answer them. Uh, That's also an avenue. Uh, Join us. It's lots of fun. Um, Sorry. Hang on. Let me find our channel. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Eric, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at the moon rules. That's D-A-M-O-O-N-R-U-L-Z. And you should also listen to the Anime Sickos podcast. Cool. M, anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M of Healy. That's M O F H E A L Y. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Dean, what TV show is good these days? Uh, these days, uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, I honestly need to jump back into Quantum Leap. I'd, I'd gotten that on mm-hmm. DVD uh, like two years ago, and I'd been watching it, and then I fell mm-hmm. off, and I fell into my bucket of Star Trek, and I'm still trying to climb out of Star Trek. Oh, wow. That's a deep, deep bucket you fell yes, into. Yes. That's the, you have a lot of uh, work on your plate. Uh, um, I did uh, binge all of season three of The Boys as it's aired, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much all up to date. Uh, so if you, mm-hmm. if you love nihilism, oh boy, have I got a show for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh great awesome and it's rick and morty no uh yeah <laughs> I, that's yeah i i mean I, that's a surprising thing to say about a show like the voice but at the same time when you say it i can totally see why you would say that uh it's <laughs> so the real darkness of mankind kind of stuff in, in those shows uh, don't watch them much myself but uh no judgment if that's what you're into. Uh, get in there. Uh, as for me, you can reach uh, my personal Twitter at the real Simben on top of uh, the Jaffa Takes avenues I've mentioned earlier. Uh, you can follow me if you want to see me uh, shit post and uh, post my Wordle and box office game scores and talk about the weekend I've had and uh, sometimes talk about trying to find a PS5 still. 
still hasn't happened for me yet. Someday you'll hear me say, I got a PS5, and won't you be happy you're following me then? Yeah, um, it'll be shortly after the release of the PS6. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> when they're going to be real cheap. Uh, that's going to be fun. Can't, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, so that's it for Cold... I'm, I'm Sorry. sure you could get an Xbox. I have an Xbox. <laughs> they're available. I, I've... Yeah, I've seen Xbox Series S's everywhere. The, the S's aren't hard to find. Uh, if, I, if I was hunting for one, I'd at least look for a Series X. I'd, I do believe they're at least marginally easier to find the, than a PS5. Uh, the thing is, yeah, the, the games I want to play are mostly on, PF, on PS5. And when I'm one of those guys. Um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll probably someday, years down the line, get a Series X anyway. and like Because I want to play Halo Infinite or something. Uh, even though that's also on PC, I know, but you know, I don't, I don't, not the same. Anyway, I don't know if you need to play Halo and, Infinite. Maybe, maybe wait a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll want to. Yeah, that's the thing. In a couple of years, Halo Infinite is going to be complete, so uh, <laughs> that's going to be worth playing then, I guess. But I still like there's a whole bunch of Halo games I haven't played first, and I already have an Xbox One, so I'm kind of covered on that front. Um, anyway, uh, so that's it for Cold Lazarus. Join us next week. Uh, we're going to cover The Knox, which uh, is a Planet of the Week episode that launches a whole thing, a whole, like, uh, wing of uh, Stargate lore. So that's really interesting. And it has a fun guest star that's from another TV show you might have seen in it, playing a completely different character. So looking forward, look forward to that. Uh, so see you next week. And Uncree. <laughs>